bring it a familiar story, the source of Gideon. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read the uh, all 40 verses of the chapter. You follow along as I read. <clears throat> and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains, and caves and strongholds. So it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, the children of the east, even they came up against them. They encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till they had come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. They came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. They sound like squatters, don't they? For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat on an oak, which is Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I find grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou takest, talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in, and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour, and, and flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up a fire out of the rock, and consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord, and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day, which is in, yet in offer of the Bezerites. And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and, he, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock. 
in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer the burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him. So it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. When the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and a second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all the, that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Drubbable, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together, and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abizir was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers to Asher, and unto Zebulun, and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel of mine hand, as thou hast said, Behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bull full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, by this once with, thy, with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. The title of this message tonight, God Will Perform His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity that is ours to look into your word tonight. Thank you for the testimony of how you're working there in Ivory Coast and we just thank you for how you're working here as well. Lord, I pray as we look into the Word of God that you speak to our hearts. I pray that you encourage us, strengthen us, and give wisdom and preaching of your Word. And I pray that the Spirit of God would just be glorified and honored. And Christ be lifted up, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as we consider this, this passage of Scripture, I've got four major points I want to mention tonight, if I get to them all. I have quite a lot of notes. But anyway... First of all, the condition is defined, and that's in verses 1 through 3, where we find that, children, of course, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. This is a book, you know, where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them the hand of Midian seven years. And, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains, and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they come up against them. Uh, so the condition here is, of course, uh, several things about it. First of all, there's a, the condition of insecurity. Here, you know, they, they just had 40 years rest after Barak and, you know, defeated uh, uh, Jabin, the king of Canaan. And now they, they, of course, turn to serving Baal again and Ashtaroth and all those things. And, of course, Midian invades the land, comes in, and, and it leaves in a, in, a, in a time of insecurity. 
They were making dens and caves and mountains and hiding themselves. They're hiding themselves. Uh, Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Psalm 53.5, There were they in great fear, where no fear was. For God hath scattered the bones of him that encampeth against him. Thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised him. You know, there were they in great fear, where no fear was. You know, there is no reason, really, for the children of Israel's fear. Except the fact that they had forsaken the Lord. But they're in a place of great fear. You know, Proverbs 28.1 says this, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous, those that are right with God, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So there's, there's the condition of insecurity. There's also the condition of insufficiency. Notice verses 4 through 6. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass, for they came with their cattle, their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So there's, there's this uh, condition of insufficiency. They are, they are impoverished. The word impoverished means it's, they're dried up, you know, made thin or empty. And not only they're impoverished, they're greatly impoverished. So they're in, a, they're in a destitute situation. You know, they would plant, they planted, and at the harvest, the enemy just kind of moves in. Just like a, just like a, 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 a what do you call it? I guess it's called a plague. A plague of grasshoppers. And there's nothing really you can do. You know, of course, nowadays we, we, we spray them and try to do things. But, but when, when a pl- in those days, when a plague of grasshoppers came through, there's nothing you could do to stop it. It just came through and ate everything in its path. And that's, that's sort of what the Midianites, they just kind of come moving in. I mean, they're bringing their own cattle and, and their camels and, and everything, you know, the, and they're just eating everything in their path. They're taking all uh, their crops, uh, their harvest, they're, they're taking that. They're even taking their flocks and herds. You know, Haggai 1, 5 through 6 says, Now therefore, 5 and 6, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe ye, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in the bag with holes. So there was this condition of insecurity and insufficiency. But I want to notice, secondly, the correction of the Lord. Uh, so they, there's this condition, so they cry on the Lord. But, but notice the first thing that happens is there's the correction of the Lord. In verses 8 and 9 it says that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, drave them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. So they're in this condition that's of, of a dire straits, you might say, 
And instead of just God intervening, he sends a prophet. And he reminds them of some things. He reminds them of the goodness and severity of God. You know, we often, people like to talk about how good God is. And God is good. But we forget that God is a righteous God. God is a holy God. And God will judge those who sin against him, who rebel against him. Romans 11:22, speaking about the children of Israel and how they turned away from God and then and then and so so they so they were they were you know God grafted in the Gentiles and you know the age of grace when we were living and and God you know primarily this is a Gentile age you know, there has been multitude of Gentiles saved, but not very many Jews. He's kind of set them aside for a time. And he says that we've been grafted in. And so he reminds them, he says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, fell severity. But toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. You know, so we talk about the goodness of God, and, and part of the... Of God's goodness is that He is, He always does those things that are right. Even His judgment or His severity is for our benefit. It's like we 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 you know, have often said, and 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 we're dealing with somebody who who may be under church discipline, and we often tell them. I often say. This is not just to send you out the door. That's not what we're that's not what we're after. We just we, we don't like just voting people out of the church. No. We we want to correct your way. And we want to see you get right with God. And God in his judgment, in his goodness, will do things that he might correct our way. And so you know, we could say this, that God always, you, know, you hear this phrase, that person always makes good on his word. God always makes good on his word. He told the children of Israel, if you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'm going to bring judgment. For example, Numbers twenty-three nineteen: God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? We have many examples of this in the Bible. Zephaniah 1.12 And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Genesis 26.3 Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will have given all these countries. And I will perform the, the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. You know, First Samuel 3.12, the Bible says this, And that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. And years later... In 1 Kings 2.27, we read this. So Solomon thrust out Abathur from being priest unto the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spake concerning the house of Eli 
in Shiloh. God said, when I say I'm going to bring it in, I'm going to bring it. It may not be immediate, but it will happen. And it wasn't until Solomon's reign that finally Eli's house was totally thrust out of the priesthood. But Solomon put Eli or put uh, Abathar out of the priesthood. Second uh, Chronicles 10:15. So the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was of God that the Lord might perform again perform His word which He spake by the hand of Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And then we find this in 1 Kings 11:30 and 31. And Ahijah caught the the new garment that was on him, and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, if you are saved, God is going to work in your life to conform you to the image of his son. And he's going to work that work until you go to be with his son. If you yield, it'll be well with you. If you resist, well, then this happens. Proverbs three eleven through 13. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. You see, if we yield to allow God to work in our life, you know, he will conform us. And make. If we resist, we can expect God's chastisement. Just like we fathers did to our sons. I mean, if, they, if my son disobeyed me, they didn't have a whole lot to look forward to for a while. It was chastisement. You see, God is good, but, but he, is also, he is also just and righteous. And so he reminds them of the goodness and severity of God. He also reminds them the cause of their condition. Notice again, if you will, in verse 10. Uh, of Judges chapter 6. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God, fear not the God of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. So he reminds them of the cause of their condition. You know, I believe this is to, to deepen the sense of their guilt and their evil against God. It is to show them that they're responsible for the condition they're in. They have brought them brought this upon themselves. This isn't God's doings. It's theirs. It was their choices that bring this curse and this terrible condition which they find themselves in. Notice he says, Fear not the gods of the Amorites. You know, to fear means to, to give respect or reverence or deference to. So here they are. God says we're to, we're to fear. The, they told, he told the children of Israel while they're in the wilderness, you know, they're to fear the Lord thy God with all their heart. And they're to teach your children to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways. But here they are fearing the gods of the Amorites. So they're, 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 they're honoring. They're giving 
deference to. In other words, they're, they're following these gods of the Amorites in direct disobedience to their God. Is it any wonder that they're living in fear? Is it any wonder that they're insecure? Is it any wonder that they're insufficient? They have insufficiency? You, you think about this. You learn about the cults and false religions. One of the things you're going to find out is their systems, if you will, of fear. That's how they keep their people. They they live in great fear. I remember, um, and, and you know, we it's hard for us to understand this here in this country as well. But if you go to foreign foreign countries, uh, uh, Brother Angler mentioned the the uh, the the um, um, what's the guy of the village chief. Yeah, and, and so, and of course, the ancestor worship and demonism, and all, and, but, it, but the chief, and you know, and the other thing that many tribes in Africa fear is the witch doctrine. So they live in great fear, even, even like the Catholics. I remember reading a book years ago, some years ago, about, uh, it, was, it was back, um, I'm trying to remember, it was a couple hundred years ago, about this family in Hungary. And they were Catholic. And about, how scared they were of the priest. And how deathly afraid, you know, and, and that somebody began to give them a gospel, and they were, they were deathly afraid of this guy. Uh, you see, they hold them in great fear. There's, there's, there's fear, there's superstition, and, and to leave, they have to overcome their fears with the emancipating power of the gospel. I remember... Back when we were living in Maine, there was a guy from Boston moved up. And uh, <clears throat> one of the men in the church began witnessing to him, and he was doing some work around his trailer. And, and uh, he said, uh, he, he told me about him. He said, uh, would you like to go over to see him? I said, yeah. So we go over there, and he has little statues sitting around in his window seals of his trailer. One was of Mary. So I began to show him from the Bible, uh, you know, the truth about Mary. And if you read Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, I think it is, in Mary's testimony, she, she talks about God, her Savior. So she's acknowledging that she is a sinner and needs a Savior, just like everybody else. And I, I was telling him this. I said, you know, Mary was a godly woman, but she was a sinner just like you and I are. He turned around to that statue and apologized for what I said. Now, to us, that's funny. But to him, it wasn't funny. See, he's, he was afraid that I offended Mary. It was just a dumb stone idol. A dead stone idol. See, that's what false gods do for you. So, so he reminds them of a reason for their condition. You know, Proverbs thirteen fifteen. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know, Deuteronomy eleven twenty five. God made these promises to them. He said, There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you 
and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. Joshua 10.8, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them be able to stand before thee. You see, God's promise was that they would, everyone would fear them. And here they were in fear. Go to Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. And God very vividly warned them about this very thing. Leviticus 26, verse 1. You shall make no idols, nor graven image, neither rear up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths my, and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then when I give you rain and due season, the land shall yield or increase. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. Shield your bread to the full one, dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase, notice, ye shall chase your enemies, they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I have respect unto you, and make you fruitful. Notice, I will have respect unto you, and I will make you fruitful, and I will establish my covenant with you. Ye shall eat the old store, bring forth the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you go upright. But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if ye shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning of goo that shall consume the eyes, cause sorrow of heart, and ye shall sow your seed in vain, and your enemies shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. And they that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth. Now, we're not hunting down the enemies. But bring this over to New Testament principle. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of sound mind. You know, the children of Israel were living in fear, constant fear insecurity but the cause of their condition was they had forsaken the Lord you're in the name of the Lord is strong confidence Proverbs 6 you see God hasn't given us a spirit of fear if our confidence comes from God as we walk with him the children of Israel's power their confidence and their strength came from God as they walked with him. And so, the correction of the Lord. Notice the third thing. <clears throat> we see the commissioning of a servant. Notice, notice you will, in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. 
in verse 14. We see, first of all, the establishing of a personal relationship with the Lord, and that's, of course, Gideon. In verse 14, it says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one hand as one man. And then he talks about how he said, Okay, if so, you stay here and I'm gonna go get a sacrifice to offer to you. And he does. See what he's doing here is establishing a personal relationship with Gideon. God had to first of all deal with Gideon before Gideon could be used. And one of the things he has to deal with in Gideon is Gideon's pride. You say pride? Yeah. Notice what Gideon's response is. He says in verse 15, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Remember somebody else, the book of Exodus, sort of made a statement like that. Moses. You know, it's interesting, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, says that Moses was mighty in words and deeds. Words and deeds. But when the Lord called him and said, I'm going to send you back to favor, all of a sudden Moses said, Lord, I'm not eloquent. Remember what the Lord said? Who made man's mouth? Who made man's mouth? You see, this, this, this idea that oh, I can't is really pride in disguise. It's another form of pride. You know, there are those who think they know it all and they can just do it all and, they, you know, they're God's gift to whatever. But then there's those that say, oh, well, not me. God wants them to do something. They say, oh, God, not me. Not me. I'm not good enough. What if I don't do it right? What if I fail sometime? I got a really inspirational answer for that. So what? If you never fail, it's because you've never done anything. That's what I tell people. Uh, some Success is not measured by who or what you are. It's by doing what is right. And it's not even measured by whether you appear to fail or not. You know, many times it, to the world it appears God failed or God's people failed. But God doesn't measure success like that. You know, we, are to, we are to simply do what's right. But when God asks us to do something, we're simply to submit to him and say, Yes, Lord. Allow him to work through us. So he had to first establish a relationship. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm condensing a lot of things here. He, he brings the sacrifice and offers it, and the Lord accepts his, his sacrifice. But then he also had to establish his home relationship. Notice in verses 25 through verse 27, 
And it says, And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, cut down the grove that is by it, build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the, uh, 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 of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took the ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. So he had to establish uh, a, a, his, his testimony, you might say, in his home relationship. Now, you know, this was his father's grove. So you know, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that happened. But I think that Gideon talked to his dad and said, this needs to go. Dad, this ain't right. It needs to go. And God told me to tear it down. And I'm going to tear it down. And I'm going to destroy it. Gideon, remember, Gideon's an adult man. And so he establishes, it puts his house in order. But he also, the third thing he does is establish a public testimony. In verses 28 through 35, the men of the city arose early in the morning. Behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it. And a second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said, You know, again, this is part of the reason why I believe that Gideon told his dad what he's going to do. Because he, he's, he's prepared to give an answer. He said, Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while as yet mourning. If he be God, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore in that day he called him Drubbable, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Uh, so you know, he, he had to take a public stand, if you will. Now, he did this with fear and trembling. He did it by night. We notice that uh, in, in uh, uh, verse 27. It says, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did it as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. So he did this with fear and trembling. Not, not only, you know, he, but, but, what we need to remember is that he fears God more than he does his father's house and the men of the city. Because he chose to obey God rather than men. So he established his testimony. And I want you to notice, you know, because of his stand, I want you to notice something here. In verse 24... Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom, which means the God of peace, a Jehovah peace. Unto this day is yet an offer of the Bezrites. His dad wasn't a Bezrite. So he takes this stand, this public stand, and notice uh, in verse 34, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and who was gathered after him? 
Abizar. You see, the same people who wanted him put to death just a while ago for destroying their idol and grow were the first to take up arms with him. Proverbs 16, 6 and 7 says this, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You see, when you obey the Lord and take a stand, you are going to be opposed. The world will oppose you, and even... you. Know, it, even some Christians will oppose you. You'll be opposed if you take a stand. But if you take a stand and don't move, one of two things will happen. One, you know, they'll say, you know what, you're right. And they'll join you. Or they'll leave you alone. They'll just cut you off. They'll separate from you. They'll let you alone. But if you capitulate, if you give in, they will continue to push you further and further and further. I mean, we can see examples of this in our, in our nation. You know, the sodomite crowd is pushing further. They're, they're not satisfied. I mean, we've got a transgender, you know, bathroom thing going on, you know, and, you know, and Obama administration has made these rulings that, you know, all public buildings or all federal buildings and government buildings need to be have transgender bathrooms and this and that garbage. And, 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 and they're not satisfied with that. They're pushing it further and further and further. And so he had to, before he could, before he could deliver the children of Israel, he had to establish, you know, uh, a public testimony. But I want to notice one final thing. The confirmation of his word. Notice verse 36 through 40. It says, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early in the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So Gideon asked for a sign from the Lord. He asked God to confirm his word with a sign. Um, you might say, and some people say, some people say, well, that's not the right thing to do. Well, go to, go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 for a minute. <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them. Now that is very important right there. He said unto them, speaking to the Pharisees, 
An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now let me ask you something. God said they were an evil, adulterous generation for seeking another sign. A sign. And then he gave them a sign. Did he not? Let me ask you something. Did God give the Pharisees any signs? Did Jesus give the Pharisees any signs during his earthly ministry? Careful. It's a trick question. Remember in the Bible, the word sign is also translated miracle. And in this chapter alone, there are two miracles. Look at verse 9 through 13. When he was departed thence, and, and he's, the Pharisees are all around. When he departed thence, he went into their, their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? He said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much more, how much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a counsel against him how they might destroy him. Look again in verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed of the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. Insomuch the blind and dumb both spake and saw... And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth cast out devils by, by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. So again, when they ask a sign, do they really want a sign for to prove that he is the Messiah? The answer is no. That's not why they asked the sign of Jesus. They're not looking for him to confirm who he is. They're looking for an opportunity to use it against him. And Jesus said, I'm not giving you any signs. I'm not giving you any signs. You see, Gideon didn't come to the Lord and say, you know what? I don't really believe you. I don't believe you're the Lord. If you are, show me a sign. He didn't say that. See, Lord, Gideon's faith is timid. It's weak. Yet he has some faith. He has enough faith to believe that the Lord can give him a sign. That the Lord can confirm to him what he's already told him. And show him in some way. Again, the Bible uses the word sign and miracle together interchangeably. For example, in John 4.48, speaking about the noble son that was near death, Jesus said unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And then after he heals him, in verse 54, he says this. This is, again, the second miracle that Jesus did. Now, we aren't to seek for signs. We're to obey his word. But just as Jesus here gave the Pharisees a sign in Jonas the prophet... You know, Jonas the prophet is a sign. 
He's assi- he was assigned to the fact that Jesus was going to die, be buried, and three days later come forth from the grave. He was assigned to the Jews. He's assigned to us that God will keep his word. You know, has not God confirmed his word to you in many ways and experiences in your life to encourage your faith to greater things? You know, sometimes you may be a little timid, a little fearful to obey. This, you know, this may be, you know, and God, is, remember, God wants us to grow, and so he wants us to trust him for greater things than he has in the past. So it takes greater faith. But what God has done in the past are things, are signs to us that God will do what he says also tomorrow, today, tomorrow. And so, God does confirm his word. And we need to trust him. We need to believe that he will keep his promises to us and uh, forever. So, we see God will perform his word. You You may just think, well, I'm nobody. That's what Gideon was. Gideon was a nobody. He was the poorest of the poor. He was from the least tribe. But yet God used him to deliver Israel from the Midianites. And God can use us. By the way, that Gideon who is insignificant, unimportant, that God made promises to, God performed through him that which he said is listed in the who's who in Hebrews 11. The Faith Hall of Fame. So we just need to take God at his word, knowing that he will perform it. He will work in your life and my life if we're allowed. And he can do great things through us. Will you let him?